the average storyteller or content marketer, uh, I'll use them interchangeably. Okay. Uh, we spend on average uh, $1 on distribution for every $5 we spend on creation. Hmm. So what I found in our industry is that content marketers are very owned media centric. So I call it the publish and pray model. You create your content, you hit publish, you email your list, you put it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, whatever you put it on and um, set it and forget it. Maybe you do a couple more promotions a month later or whatever. Uh, now the average television advertising executive for every $1 they spend on creative, they spend $5 on its distribution. Hmm. Now that's a complete opposite mindset. And in today's internet world with so much content inundating the internet and there's so much competition for attention and eyeballs, we really need to flip that. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Dan Moyle, your host, and I so appreciate you tuning into the Storytellers Network. Uh, I believe in the power of story. I believe in the power of story for businesses, for personal brands, for just general human connection, for for ending racism, for just connecting us. I mean, just everything. It's a story is powerful, but it also doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. And so in today's show, we're going to explore what it means to the guest, what storytelling really is and how maybe it's not exactly what you think. So stay tuned for that. It's amazing. I'm really appreciative of my guest today, as I always am. Uh, but before we get started, just a quick reminder, everything you need to know about storytelling, whether it's inspiration, whether it's tactics, strategy, is at the storytellersnetwork.com. I've got some resources there of people much smarter than me that give you the how-tos and then past episodes from fantastic storytellers around the world. So go to the storytellersnetwork.com for all of that. There's even a contact me page if you want to tell me your story or just ask me a question uh, and connect. So it's, it's there. And if you're new, text the word storytellers to 3196, 31996. Do that one again, 31996. Text storytellers to that and you can get a text back that asks you to subscribe and you can get all that going on. And so today's guest is the co-founder of Relevance, the world's first website dedicated to content distribution and promotion, news and insights. He also teaches content marketing at Rutgers Business School, uh, with Mark Schaefer, and he is a member of the advisory board for native advertising platforms, Empowered and AdHive. Uh, he's also the VP of marketing at Empowered. So this guy knows what he's doing. He's a member of the Forbes Top 100 list. Uh, Chad authored the Native Advertising Manifesto, the Content Marketing Promotion Manifesto, and 51 Things Your Mother Taught You About Inbound Marketing. Uh, this guy is a business storyteller and I'm so excited to have him on. We get into a bunch of stuff really deep and I'm, I'm just, I think you're going to love it. So I'll shut up and let Chad tell his story. So let's get to Chad's stories. So thanks for taking time to join me today, Chad. I appreciate it, man. Hey Dan, uh, I, I'm surprised it's taking this long for us to get together and do this. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things where I, 
this season that I'm recording for, you are a business storyteller. And that was the, the title of my, my season. I thought, man, I got to talk to Chad. We've, we've had plenty of conversations ourselves online in person, but I thought this has to happen. So, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, me too. So, so let me start here then. Uh, business storytellers. Do you consider yourself a storyteller, Chad? So, you know, it's weird. I've got a very unique take on storytelling and I, I think we'll probably get into that a little yeah. bit today. Um, I didn't start off as a storyteller. I actually came in last decade in the industry when I got back from the Iraq war uh, as, as a technical SEO guy. Yeah. And then as you are well aware, SEO started to evolve with the penguin and Panda updates. And it, it, it wasn't basically, if you wanted to do well in SEO, once those two updates hit, uh, you had to create good content. So that's when I started creating content late last decade. Eh, about 2008 is when I really started to blog. Uh, but that was the new SEO, basically. In fact, I did um, back in 2010 or 11, I think I, I did a, we a webinar <clears throat> called Inbound Marketing is the New SEO. Mm. And essentially what I was saying in there, and I backed it up with data, was that, look, good content creation is how you do well in the search engines. And uh, that's really when you could say I started telling stories. And you've been kind of beating that inbound marketing drum for a while. Do you see that continuing still today in 2019? Yeah, so, so I wouldn't say that I beat the inbound marketing drum. I, here's what I'd say. As far as the principles of inbound marketing, I believe that that just gets you to the starting line. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's just the start. Uh, augmenting that with earned media and, and uh, native advertising, social media, paid media advertising uh, is almost necessary depending on your industry. Hmm. Uh, there's so much noise out there. There's so much content and the quantity of content on the internet just grows every year. Uh, I've seen it year over year over year. And if you want to stand out in the crowd, um, you really have to augment your inbound marketing with uh, some earned and or paid media. Uh, now, I work for a paid media uh, company. Empowered um, uh, is a... Um, Te technically we're known we're called a DSP in the industry or demand side platform. Mm -hmm. So we're an artificial intelligence layer that sits over, over 40 uh, native advertising and social media networks. So rather than going to Facebook and then going to outbrain or Taboola individually, uh, we allow people to scale their amplification and content distribution on over 40 channels, including social channels. Okay. And that's, and that's important, obviously. I mean, you're in that business, but also just you believe in that. That's important for brands to use more than just one platform and to really do it intelligently. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And strategically. And the fact of the matter is you can write the best story or, or, or create the best story on video or do the best podcast or do the best, whatever. If nobody sees it, it's not the best. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Distribution is huge. Yeah. So Chad, you're, website describes you as an author, an international speaker, a marketing professor. What does that mean to you on a day-to-day -day basis? How that's your 30,000 view foot, but what does that mean on a day-to-day -day thing for you? 
Well, <laughs> honestly, it's uh, it's my ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm. <clears throat> I don't think I could do anything else uh, with my career than what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lifestyle. It, it's not a job. Um, I I did actually recently quit teaching at Indiana University uh, last spring. Uh, it was just becoming too much because all the travel. I just taught one day a week uh, for two hours and 40 minutes, believe it or not. Wow. Um, but because of travel uh, requirements for the other stuff that I do, I, I couldn't maintain it. Now, I still teach for Rutgers online. Mm. Since it's online, it's much more convenient. I actually work with uh, Ian Cleary and Mark Schaefer mm-hmm. in Rutgers content marketing program. Awesome. Good, good uh, trio of guys right there, really changing the world for future marketers, right? Least, oh, I love those guys. I think you guys are awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, I love those guys. Um, yeah. Ian's been doing a bunch of new video stuff lately. I don't know if you've seen it online, but it's pretty funny. Shout out to Ian. You're doing doing uh, great storytelling with video. Awesome. I'll have to uh, invite him on then to talk a little bit about that. Maybe I've got I've got Mark on this season too. So I read his book and it just blew my mind. I mean, it's it's not necessarily new. I mean, I'm sure you and I probably have seen this stuff coming for a while and a lot of people have, but like, holy cow, he lays it out in a way that just, I mean, yeah. it blew my skirt off, man. Like this is incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Now Mark is a very, very talented guy. I consider him one of my mentors. I look up to him. Yeah. Um, he gives me lots of great advice all the time. He actually, his last book at, he asked me to write a section, a small section for his book. And I did on content distribution. Hmm course. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud that I got that opportunity. I'm glad he afforded me that opportunity. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, so Chad, I'm going to go back to, you talked about native advertising and, uh, between that and all the changes in marketing, how does all of that impact storytelling for those of us who consider ourselves storytellers? Well, unfortunately, well, let, let me take a step back. So I, I've done over the years, I've done lots and lots of different types of research. Mm-hmm. And what I found is this, um, the average storyteller or content marketer, uh, I'll use them interchangeably. Okay. Uh, we spend on average, uh, $1 on distribution for every $5 we spend on creation. Hmm. So what I found in our industry is that content marketers are very owned media centric. So I call it the publish and pray model. You create your content, you hit publish, you email your list, you put it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, whatever you put it on and um, set it and forget it. Maybe you do a couple more promotions a month later or whatever. Uh, Now the average television advertising executive for every $1 they spend on creative, they spend $5 on its distribution. Hmm. Now that's a complete opposite mindset. And in today's internet world, with so much content inundating the internet, and there's so much competition for attention and eyeballs, we really need to flip that. And and some companies are starting to do this, some brands are, uh, but we need to start thinking as storytellers like, like, television advertising executives once we get our mind fixed uh onto that ratio of distribution to creative uh, i think we're going to start seeing a lot more success in our storytelling 
because not only does that help with the distribution, but that scale of distribution also provides a very powerful and quick feedback loop for us as storytellers uh, to make our content better. So I want to poke the bear a little bit and uh, dive into marketing or dive into advertising. So many people nowadays say that we're very good at ignoring ads. Um, yeah. I mean, I even say it and, and, I, and I do it too. So when you talk about advertising and spending $5 on advertising and, and distribution, not just advertising, I know that, distribution and advertising um, versus $1 on content creation, how can you show that we don't ignore every ad, I guess would be my question to start with. Right, so let, let me make, uh, let me delineate between um, regular, well, traditional digital advertising and native advertising. Mm -hmm. So native advertising is simply advertising that matches the form, feel, and function of the organic content which surrounds it, okay? So what that means is, it looks like it's supposed to be there. So a good example of that would be say a Facebook ad, okay, in feed. Not a display ad off to the right on a desktop. That's not um, native advertising. Um, that is a form of advertising that doesn't get ignored like the other, form, the other interrupted forms of advertising. Uh, I can tell you that our technology uh, is built in a way with artificial intelligence to to go after just the people that will engage with content. So here's what I mean by that. Let's say you are a customer of Empowered and you spend, I don't know, let's say $10,000 a month with Empowered. You are not going to pay us per click on Facebook or per click on Outbrain or per click on whatever channel. You are only going to pay us if somebody engages with that content for 15 seconds or longer. So we're on a CPE or cost per engagement model. We're the only company in the world right now, unless somebody just launched it like last week uh, that offers that so it completely knocks out people ignoring the the advertising um, or or clicking and then bouncing now why that 15 second mark is so important is simple a company called chartbeat analytics who powers much of the analytics for major publishers uh, with millions and millions of data points figured out that at 15 seconds of engagement or longer, the average user consume, or 70% of the users consume 80% or more of the content. And that includes video content as well. Hmm. So that's why we set that benchmark and that's how we eliminate paid media waste, which is, it's rife with waste, especially with uh, uh, bots, yeah. right? Bots are a major problem. Um, I mean, if you look at Procter and Gamble, I, I think it was last summer. It might've been the summer before that I'll, I'll have to look it back up, but uh, they eliminated millions and millions and millions of dollars from their online paid media from interruptive advertising. And they found no impact on their business, positive or negative. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So it's about 
it's about fitting into the lives of people rather than interrupting. So it's still exactly kind of an inbound feel, but yeah. Yeah. Then, it's, I, I would say, I would say that native advertising is the closest to inbound paid media can get. Yeah. And I don't think that inbound has to be non-paid. I mean, that's something that I think people struggle on or kind of get stuck on is like, well, inbound just is free. Like, no, there's, it's, first of all, it's never free. There's time, if nothing else, yeah. which time costs money, but then you can pay for that attention. It's not inherent, inherently evil. Um, anyway, yeah, I love geeking out about that kind of stuff. So, so I, I want to get a little bit out of that mindset and talk a little bit more about, about story than Chad. What you said earlier that you, you have a different take on storytelling. I, I want to hear that. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I came up in uh, SEO last decade. And, if, and I know you remember SEO last decade. It was not what, what it is today. It was, um, you, we did keyword stuffing, we stuffed page titles, we did, you know, all that. We do our keyword research and we build links. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff that I did back then, I mean, I wrote a, an article on the Huffington Post called, uh, true confessions of a former SEO whore (laughs) 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 really outlining the stuff that I did back then that um, now would be considered black hat. Right. But anyway, so with me coming up in SEO, I am intimately familiar with the different aspects of Google. Okay. Uh, The different aspects of the search engine there. Um, their uh, search engine guidelines, uh, their recommendations, so on and so forth. And if you look at Google as an example, if you look at Google as an example, if you do a search, you're going to get their instant answers. They're going to recommend different things to click on really quick. Boom, boom, boom. Everything with Google is about speed. You're rewarded for fast page load time. Um, they've got the Google knowledge graph, right? Boom. They put the answer right there on Google. So you don't even have to click through. Everything's about speed. Storytelling. Actually, let me take a step back. People only go to the web for two reasons. To solve a problem or to be entertained quickly. If you think about that, that statement I just made, if you really think about it, Everything everyone does online goes back to those two things. Now, you could really say people only go to the web to solve problems because if you need entertained, that's your problem you're trying to solve. But I like to separate the two because they're two different types of content, right? So if you look at Google as an example, quick, quick answers, quick answers, solve problem quick. And then you look at storytelling. I would argue that the best content on the internet isn't storytelling content. It's content that solves problems the quickest and the best. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Potentially you as a company might want to solve a problem like, um, well, you used to be in the mortgage business, so maybe a mortgage issue. Okay. Now you can write a 12,000 word story about how to solve this one simple problem that somebody else could solve in 600 words, right? I would argue that that 600 word article that solves the problem quickly and does it well and maybe uses some storytelling is better than that 10,000 word article or 12,000 word article or whatever. 
So that's where I kind of have a different take on storytelling. I think storytelling can be overdone when the point is to actually solve someone's problem online. So you got to really balance the two. Yeah. I think it's important. And I think it's important to kind of help people to see is that storytelling doesn't have to be epic, right? You can tell that story very concisely in order to reach people's emotions. Even when you're helping them and showing them how to, you can use an anecdote or something small as a story. It doesn't have to be the hero's journey for everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and that that's, that's my take on it. Um, I, you know, there's some people out there in, the, in our business that just preach storytelling, 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 storytelling. And then it's, it's the whole publish and pray model that, uh, that really, I mean, in today's day and age, you can't publish and pray. It doesn't matter how good, excuse me, the content is, how well of a story you're telling, if it's epic, if it's not epic. When you're going up against millions and millions of other uh, search engine results, um, you have to tell the best story the quickest you can to solve the problem and promote the hell out of it through earned and, uh, and paid media. Yeah. And where it used to be, you'd go to link farms for those referrals and stuff. What do we do today to make that community a little bit better, to make our community better in order to distribute some things um, organically? Well, it starts with with having that one to five ratio, one dollar of creation for every five dollars in distribution. That's where we got to start. We got to rewire our minds. Mm. We got to think about that in our budgets. Now, one of the biggest problems with that is, especially at the enterprise level, is the silos. Mm. So I've had people come up to me at Content Marketing World, at, at Inbound, and they're like, Chad, we love what you're saying and we love all this, but that money's over here in this silo and I got to go beg them for money. Well, th we need to rewire our brains. It shouldn't be like that. Content marketing and inbound marketing needs to have a budget for distribution. Yeah. That's an important note to make. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to ask about a, a couple of platform thing. Um, we're talking about a little bit about social media, that kind of stuff and distribution. Uh, I, I've been following you on Twitter for a number of years. Um, and, and he recently shared something, uh, an article about one of the newest social platforms out there, TikTok. Now, right. The article asked about if it's, a, if it's a relevant platform for brands. So I want to know from your perspective, your experience, what do you think about TikTok and short videos and storytellers and brands and all that kind of stuff? What's your take on all of that? So I don't have much of a take. Um, I'm not a, a bandwagoner. Um, yeah. I don't jump on the new social channels. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm still not on Snapchat. Mm. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't have much of an opinion on the platform itself and its future. What I can tell you is that I'm not a big video guy. Mm. Um, I, I just, I don't make much video. I mean, yeah, there, I've got videos of me on stage speaking, but the selfie video thing, um, it, I don't know. I just can't get into it. I see them and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> I don't want to be preached to. Yeah. Right. So like I've got a unique take on it in that I'm not a big fan of video. Now that said, um, I do have a sweet tooth 
for YouTube reaction videos. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm going to admit to you, before I got on this call, uh, I spent about two hours watching YouTube reaction videos this morning <laughs> <laughs> because they crack me up. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I watched the, the one that I really like to watch is <laughs> called Frankenstein's Lab. And it's these two black guys that get stoned. Now I'm I don't I'm not a pot smoker. I know you're in Michigan, so it's medical, <laughs> it's legal up there. Oh, it's recreational now, now too, man. So come on. Uh, up. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, but uh, I go out to California every other week uh, for work, and um, and it's legal there too. So I, I I I don't partake, but but I see people do. But anyways, so these two guys are just stoned out of their mind, watching comedians. And they just laugh the whole time, and and it draws me in. I mean, it's not a story; um, it's like two random high guys just commenting on what they see on YouTube, and it's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. That's funny. So, so you're not a big video guy. It is what my takeaway from that? I'm always trying to think of marketing. I'm just I'm just in that mindset all the time. You can't be everything to everyone. For somebody who thinks, well, I got to be on video. I've got to be on TikTok. I got to do the next big thing. That might be where your audience is, but your audience isn't going to be Chad Pollitt, right? You can't yeah. be everything to everyone and that's okay. Yeah. Is, is that yeah. a good encouragement? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that. Um, but I, I mean, I keep an eye on, on the new platforms. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I pay attention. Uh, but I mean, just with the big three, um, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I mean, that takes I, I, maybe a dozen, two dozen hours a week of my time. Yeah. Right. I start adding more platforms to that. That that's gonna just <laughs> there's not enough hours in the day to to be everywhere. You know. Sure. I'm glad Google got rid of Google Plus because <laughs> that's one I could just wipe off. Is done. Yeah. But just automate it. That's fine. Just automate everything. Bots, we're fine, right? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. That's so, one thing I don't do. I, I do no automate, never have. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't mind a little bit of automation. Because like in, in this, I mean, not to like try and change your mind, but this for me, Twitter is definitely about conversation, but it's also about broadcast. Let's be honest. Yeah, it is. It is. And so I don't mind some automation, but the problem is when all you do is automate, and that's, and that's it. Like then, it, then what's the point? I don't care. I yeah. want interaction. You know, I, I watch a, a TV show, for instance, um, a million little things. And uh, the, the creator DJ Nash is on Twitter. Guy's only got about 6,000 followers. But when you interact with him, he's there. If all right. he ever did was automate, like, here's the newest uh, thing. Here's the newest episode or whatever, man, I don't care. But the fact that he talks to people and retweets them or converses and engage man, I'm in. Right. And so, I mean, we even watched the finale live because we, we stream, mm -hmm. but we watched the finale live in part because of how he interacts. So yeah, that's, right. that's huge. Automation is just a tool. It doesn't have to be everything, but yeah, or, or do it at all. Yeah. Now, personally, I don't automate, but for some of the brand work that I do as the VP of marketing for Empowered, um, there's, I've got some automation tools that I do use and do some scheduling uh, on mm -hmm. Twitter um, a little bit on uh, LinkedIn, but uh, Facebook, I do um, everything by hand. I don't automate any posting to Facebook. And but I, that's just a personal preference for me. Yeah. And I think it sets you apart. I mean, in the age of everybody automating, if you don't, you're different. Um, so talk, talking about social media, how do you think 
that has played a part in all of the storytelling and what we do as a, I mean, I don't know. How has it impacted us? That's a deep question. Um, man, it's impacted our culture. I mean, it's, it's impacted everything. Now, from a marketing perspective, it's given us a, a channel. Um, I call social media outside of paid um, an own media channel. It's kind of like um, <clears throat> it's kind of like having an email list, right? Where well, let, let's take Twitter for example. Is Twitter is more broadcasting? Um, it's just like broadcasting to your email list, except a little different in that it's public, right? Um, so it's giving, given us a channel, uh, to create, to help create our personal brands outside of blogs. Um, and I think that's a good thing for a lot of people. Uh, but it's had its cost, uh, culturally and politically. Uh, I'm not going to get into those details. I mean, you, all you got to do is turn on the news and you can see it every day. Yeah. Uh, is are we better off today than in 2003 before MySpace launched? I don't know. Uh, as a marketer, I appreciate those channels and I use them constantly and I like them and I use them to, to find news, to find uh, mm -hmm. the trends that are happening. I, I call uh, my Twitter feed, the pulse of the marketing industry, like literally in real time, I can see what's happening in our industry in real time, which is awesome. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> Do you think, so you, you call social media owned. Is there a grace area there though? Is it rented space? Cause if Facebook it, closes rented. down. Yeah, okay. it's rented. Okay. Or Facebook changes their algorithm and none of your <laughs> followers can see what you post. Yeah. That, that never happens. Come on. We're not the product of Facebook. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. I, I like that. It's rented because, because yeah, they, things change. It's and, and like email. So I heard, um, gosh, was it Joe Polizzi? Somebody said like still today, email is the most powerful channel for for us like if you can build an email list that's where it's at like you use social media everything else but if you build that email list i mean do you see that is email still very powerful email is the most powerful marketing channel that exists yeah okay. on average um the roi if, if you break down um actually so one of my lectures uh that i gave at indiana university uh dives into this and uh it juxtaposes all the different digital marketing channels and the, the highest ROI is email. Hmm. Now the problem is most companies don't have an email list or if they do, it's small. Mm -hmm. So, or, or purchased or, well, if it's purchased, they better not be emailing it because I'll tell you the can spam act. Uh, the most recent one is going to knock you at like $44,000 per email sent. If you purchase a list and start emailing it, that's illegal, uh, both here in the U.S. and Canada and much of the rest of the world. Um, now, that said, I also know of very large brands that have purchased lists and gone to companies in Russia. 
and had those companies send out emails on their behalf to skirt the can spam act mm. which i wouldn't do but people are doing it yeah the world man the world's changing and it and it, now, yeah. now fortunately and i think i mean mark Schaefer says it the, the power continues to go to the hands of the consumer as brands we try to fight that sometimes as marketers we try to fight that but man the, as a consumer i love it so that's it yeah um yeah absolutely so chad i want to i want to pull out a little bit of the the geeking out here uh your knowledge is incredible your experience is fantastic your insight is is, is amazing but i, I want to go back okay. to something you talked about earlier and and, and i want to check your comfort level on this I, I know that you talk about it publicly but you talked about going from the iraq war into seo how and and and, and I, I respect the hell out of our soldiers and marines and sailors and pilots and everybody and, and so thank you for your service, first of all. Thank you for what you did for our country. Um, oh, you're welcome. I know you, you are actually involved with some veterans um, nonprofits, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was heavily involved in the Honor Flight program. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. That's I awesome. ended up, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. That's a privilege. I ended up walking away from that uh, for various reasons, but I still support our veterans. I go on rides for vets and do other stuff and, and support organizations that do that. Um, but I want to know, I hear so often as a, as a civilian, how difficult it is to go from that service into the, the business world. Did you, how did, how was that for you? And is that part of why you went out on your own? Because you couldn't necessarily fit into business. You had to do it as an entrepreneur. No. So I, I wouldn't call myself a uh, red blooded entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. Ironically, I have a, my undergraduate degree is in entrepreneurship from Indiana University. Uh, I was the second class to ever graduate with that degree from that university. Um, Which seems weird, by the way. Side note, so many entrepreneurs are like, I didn't go to college. And you're like, I have a degree in entrepreneurship. That's <laughs> yeah. a little bit contradicting. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so I've been more of an intrapreneur in my career. Uh, okay. So uh, starting in... Starting in 2012 is when I started to get equity stakes in companies and do re company rebrands and creating new brands. So I've always been under the umbrella of partners hmm. in my entrepreneurial career. So I have not, excuse me, taken out two mortgages on my home <laughs> to fund this dream. Okay. So I, I'm not going to give myself that credit. Okay, I know lots of people that have done stuff like that and more power to them. My problem is I'm very, very risk averse. I always have been. It's just part of my personality. Um, but coming from the war, so actually before the war, so I went, I went to Iraq in 2015, basically the entire year, like to the day, uh, I, I was in a war zone. Prior to that, I was in sales, and I, I worked um, a variety of different sales positions since I graduated college in 1999, <clears throat> but um, as a side hustle, because I'd meet with all these small business owners, and that was at a time when small businesses were trying to figure out, um, hey, do I need a website, right? This is like 2000, 2001, 2002. And I was the young guy who knew everything about the web, right? Mm -hmm. So I, it afforded me lots of opportunities for a side hustle to coordinate small business owners with 
a web developer I knew and a copywriter I knew. Okay. So before I went to the war, I was, that was my side hustle. I was helping small businesses develop websites with my network. Well, I went to the war, I came back and I went straight to work full time because my job, which veterans know you, you can't technically legally lose your job while you're deployed, but they eliminated my job while I was deployed. So I lost my job. Nice. Um, I got back, I went in to uh, a web dev shop and did full-time sales for them in 2006. And what made me successful selling in 2006, all the way I sold until 2010, I was in sales as well as I did project management, SEO, copywriting, some really crappy web design and some other things, paid media as well. Uh, I taught myself SEO. Thank you, former SEO Moz and <laughs> currently Moz. Their blog was awesome back then. Yeah. And it still is, by the way. Uh, but I taught myself SEO to the point where when I went into a sales call, what I would do is I would dissect their the, that prospect's website from an SEO perspective compared to their competitors. And I'd, and I'd go in and I'd say, listen, search engine optimization works like this. This is where you suck. This is where your competitors are awesome. I can help you here. And as a result of that, I killed it. <laughs> Everybody yeah. wanted to work with me because I told a different story. This back to storytelling. I told the SEO story. Everyone wanted to rank. Yeah. Right. And I was good at SEO. I was able to get them ranked. And uh, one day I woke up and realized, you know what? Um, this marketing SEO stuff I'm doing is more valuable than the actual sales itself. I'm, dr I'm driving more leads than what I know what to do with. I need to just drive leads and do marketing. And then I trans I transitioned in 2010 full time to marketing. Gotcha. What can what can we do as businesses, storytellers, civilians, to help those coming back from service? Uh, just just uh, how how can we help? Um, the I think the best way to help is to not assume anything hmm. about that veteran. Um, the fact of the matter is my military service has created the businessman that I am today. Uh, it gives me the passion and the drive and the work ethic that um, most don't have. Uh, I wrote an article. It, it's on uh, LinkedIn. If you go to my Twitter account, I've got it pinned at the top. It's called going to war taught me life's most valuable lesson in quotations, embrace the suck. Mm. So what the military allowed me to do, well, not allowed, but what it exposed me to was being in some of the worst situations you can possibly imagine being in, in your life and embracing those situations and reveling in the fact that you're sleeping in the middle of the woods on the ground and you got four hours to get sleep and you got to get up and, and do uh, 
20 hours the next day, right, of training and being sweaty and smelly and stinky and hungry and thirsty. And, you know, I, I go to the grocery store today and I see like a mother um, not embracing the suck and going off on her child or, or doing or getting all upset with a cashier, right? Well, that's, that's nothing. Uh, once you are ex exposed to some of life's hardest situations, whether you're, you're being mortared in Iraq or you're in the middle of a jungle somewhere uh, with rain pouring on you and miserable, those things make you stronger, make you better. And at the end of the day, they make you better employees, better business people, better entrepreneurs. Hmm. So don't assume anything and, and let people do their thing and embrace that suck. And yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. I did not, uh, I did not uh, summarize that as well as you said it. So. <laughs> no, uh, no, um, and hey, I, I encourage your your listeners to check out that article. Seriously, just go to uh, at Chad Pollitt on Twitter. That first pinned article. Um, if you really want to know my personal story about embracing the suck and how that impacted myself as a business person, it's it's a very uh, intimate story that. Uh, um, up until I wrote that article, I never told anyone about. It, thank you for sharing that. And then I'll link to, to that article, to your social media, everything that is in the show notes, everybody, if you're on, whether you're on Apple podcasts, or you're on the website, it's in there. Um, thank, thank you for sharing that. I know for a lot of people, it could take 25 years to share anything about their experience, especially in war, um, but in their service in general. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, one of the ways that we that we know each other is when you uh, you are the the co-founder of Relevance. I had the opportunity and the privilege of writing for Relevance a few times as a contributor. Yes, thank you for that, by the way. And yeah. those articles did great. Oh, awesome, good. I, I still quote them. I still share them sometimes about like billboards and stuff. So it's fun. Um, so thank you. You're welcome, though. Uh, what's it like? Uh, speaking, launching? Oh, hold on, yeah, time out. Yeah. Speaking. Did you hear about the newest, latest, and greatest uh, billboard thing coming out? uh programmatic billboards yes yes can you believe it programmatic billboards <laughs> oh my goodness i know i talked to a guy not too long ago about my so my my day job as a marketing manager for a a marketing service and print and fulfillment company um i i ended up connecting with a guy who does they do programmatic and he was telling me about all that kind of stuff and just like man i i know a little bit fortunately i know people who know a whole lot more people yeah. like you people like joe like mark anybody you know like and I learned so much from people. So um, yeah, programmatic billboards, just incredible. How far, how far away are we from that minority report scene where Tom Cruise is getting inundated with personalized ads? Like, <laughs> oh, man. So I know for a fact that you have not seen um, any of my presentations I've given in Berlin uh, for the native advertising Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually, that's part of my presentation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I, I pulled it, pulled a GIF. Um, and yes, I call them GIFs. I'm not yes. call them GIFs. No, it's not. It's not a graphic. It's graphic. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but yeah, I've actually pulled a GIF of that scene and put it in a slide full screen and, and let it loop. And, uh, and, and I answer this question. Um, how far are we? Um, I don't know. Maybe, 2050 ish. The thing is, 
So I never jumped on the the AR um, uh, VR bandwagon. Yeah. Okay, but what I did do was so so. Here's the thing: I think VR, virtual reality, is a bridge technology to AR. Okay. I think Google. I think the future of those technologies are in AR. I think Google took a good shot at it with their Google Glass, but didn't quite hit it. Um, I think that, uh, um, what was that video game on the phones that came out, the AR? Uh, Pokemon Go? Yeah, yeah, Pokemon Go, thank you. Uh, I think that vaulted AR forward uh, a lot farther than Google Glass. Uh, but I think that's the future. Uh, I, I see us wearing contacts or glasses of some type that will augment our reality in real time. Uh, so I think the the two scenes, like the Gap scene and the Guinness scene in Minority, Minority Report, will happen. That's native advertising in its purest form. Matches the form, feel, and function of the organic content which surrounds it, which in this case is life. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing between 2030 and 2050, but who knows? I could be wrong. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's, I mean, it's funny because we talk about minority report and it's a bit creepy. It's a bit like, Oh, wow. But on the other hand, relevant ads mean something to me. If you're actually speaking my language, so to speak, I'm more apt to do business with you and I'm good with that. So in on one hand, all this information that we give all these the, the big data world, right? Like I'm actually not that opposed to it because <laughs> if you can make my life a little bit easier or it's a little bit more tailored to me, I'm apt to feel more comfortable with you. So here's the thing. I don't have my Apple watch on my wrist right now, um, but technologies like the Apple watch and others are tapping into our biology. Okay. So it knows when our heart rate's up, it knows when it's down, it knows other things, our pulse. That's a big data treasure trove for targeting. Mm -hmm. And if you notice in the minority, minority report, uh, it delivers like a Guinness ad when they clearly know that he needs to relax because his heart rate's up and he's running and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just one example of a possibility for us as marketers to tap into a new, unique data source in order to deliver targeted advertising. Now, uh, there's other new big data sources. You know, we've got smart beds now. We've got smart refrigerators. I've got two damn um, uh, uh, um, oh, thermostats, smart thermostats. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know how that data is going to be used, but it's going to be used. Hmm. So we've got a, a pretty wide open future and it's, it's exciting in many ways. And for some people, maybe not. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay. So I was asking about relevance. Uh, what's it, what's it like for you to, to have launched a publication like that, been a co-founder of it. it. So, so a, what's it like? And also as storytellers, is that where we should be going is doing our own? Um, Two unrelated questions. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's they're good. Um, what's it like? It was very exciting. 
it was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to to make it work. We ended up selling the publication to um, Ashish, who's a great guy, by the way. Uh, hat tip, Ashish. Take it easy. Um, let me. So so, let me talk about the psychology behind relevance mm-hmm. because there was a lot of thought put into this. So relevance was the first digital publication to, to focus on content distribution and promotion. Uh, there was no other website that focused on that. You had your, your HubSpot, you had your different agencies out there, you had your, uh, your Mazas, your software companies, but none of them had websites dedicated to content promotion, news and insights. So the niche itself, our agency, which um, later was rebranded to relevance, just like the publication. Uh, we started off as Slingshot SEO, one of the world's largest SEO companies. Uh, our agency listened to our customers and we looked at what their problems were and their problems weren't that they didn't rank in Google. Their problems were that they needed distribution and promotion of their content. It didn't matter how it happened, whether it was through SEO or something else. So we chose that niche and the truth is, I mean, I've got dice right here. <laughs> we rolled the dice. We picked, we got lucky. We, we picked the right niche because we listened to our customers. Mm. And we also knew that volume and content matters and that quality content matters. Uh, it's not an either or game. So we decided because I, I know a lot of people in the industry. We decided to try to create a community and bring people that were passionate about content promotion, news and insights together. And from a psychological perspective, we, we, the goal was when we hit launch on that publication, we wanted people that saw the publication to say, why haven't I seen this yet? And uh, why, how come I'm not subscribed to this? Where, where, where has this been? So we wanted to look like we've always been there and that we're a big deal. So as a result, <laughs> the original wireframe for the website was straight stolen from TechCrunch. <laughs> we took their entire wireframe and built a website around it with our colors and our branding. We did that on purpose. So that when people landed on relevance, they're like, why didn't I know about this? Hmm. So there was a lot of psychology around it. In addition to that, um, when we launched dis- display advertising on the site, none of it was from Google or anywhere else. We went, spe- we targeted specific companies and said, hey, listen, we're going to give you free advertising on our website uh, for the next year. And they were all companies around content promotion uh, and uh, distribution. And we did that on purpose and we didn't charge them and it made us look better and, and furthered the narrative of, Hey, why didn't I know about this website? Strategic, purposeful, finding your niche. 
Yeah, exactly. Now, should right. every company do that? It depends on if they're ready to dedicate the resources. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I were to start a company tomorrow, uh, yes, I would do that. But it's not right for everyone. Um, if you can't facilitate a community and you try to do it on your own, it, it, it's going to take you a lot longer to realize the success. Now, with relevance, I will say that we won uh, a content marketing award for fastest subscriber growth for a year. Uh, we went from zero to just over 50,000 subscribers in, in 12 months. Wow. And we won that award. And in fact, it's up on my uh, shelf right up, up there. I don't know if you can see it. Nice. I'm, in fact, I'm going to go grab it. Hold on. <laughs> Look at that. Yep. That's awesome. And I was one of those subscribers. I, I read for a while before I ever, ever contributed. So awesome. Excellent, man. This has been an incredible conversation, Chad. I, I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it. I'm going to get to my last question in just a second before I do, before the listeners tune out, where can, where's the best way to find you and what you do? So most of my content these days you can find on empowered, uh, I N P W R D.com. Uh, just click on the blog when you get there. Uh, I've been doing a lot of data-driven content, um, as you can imagine, with millions and millions of dollars being pushed through our system. There's lots of unique insights and data that that I have access to, and I've been tapping into that a lot lately. So, um, for example, I published our top 200 head ad headlines for 2018 recently. Uh, that really just literally these are the best performing, I mean, killed it, crushed it headlines for not clicks, engagement post-click. So that's where you can go and see most of my content. Um, I've written over 10 books. The books, almost all of them are available for free on chadpollitt.com. And uh, of course, Twitter is always a great place to connect. Yeah, absolutely. That you're very accessible. So, um, and you even have the blue check and I have not figured out how to get one of those. Anyway, <laughs> ten, <laughs> 10 books, I guess. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, so Chad, if, if somebody, now, so you're kind of a storyteller, you kind of aren't, but, but I see you as one. Um, you told a lot of stories today, but if somebody told you, man, you're all done telling stories, you can't do it anymore. What would your last story that you'd want to go out on be? Oh man. What would be the last story I'd want to go out on? Um, hmm, man, that's deep. That's my fun one. Yeah. You know what? I think a nice good rant would be my style. I like a good rant every so often. Yeah. I don't know what I'd rant about yet, but I'd figure out something good. 70 questions or so, 70 answers. That's the first time that one's come up. Every, every one has been different in some way, but that's, that's a brand new category, a rant. I, I, love, I love it. I, they're fun to write. <laughs> yeah. They're fun to give, although my wife gets annoyed by them. But anyway, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Chad, thanks again, man. I appreciate your time, brother. Hey, hey it's my pleasure. Uh, anytime. Um, I'm always there for you, Dan.
So there you have it, Chad Pollitt with Empowered, uh, talking about native advertising, native promotion, how to distribute your content, not just publish and pray. Uh, I love that part of it. So uh, if you want to connect with Chad, those links are all in the show notes. So whether you're on the website, whether you're on your, your podcast device, those are linked there. So connect with Chad for sure. He is definitely approachable, has a ton of great information. And if you enjoyed this episode and found it uh, relevant to you as well, uh, share it with somebody that might that might get something out of it. I appreciate that. Take it. Take one person and say, this spoke to me and I thought of you, here you go. Social media, email, texting, whatever, wherever you can share it with someone, very much appreciate that. And if you want to connect with me, go to storytellersnetwork.com to our contact page, hit that contact Dan button, send me an email, let's have ourselves a conversation. I want to hear your story. So there you have it, my friends. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being a part of my community. Until next time, here's to telling stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.